Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of Middle Grade Ninja. I'm your host, Rob Kent. As you know, I'm the author of Banneker Bones and the Giant Robot Bees, and you know that because I tell you every week. Well, guess what? It's still available as a paperback, an audiobook, and the ebook is free to download. Uh, and the third book, Banneker Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracies, which uh, rounds out the trilogy, is going to be available here April 3rd of 2021. Depending on when you're listening to this, it might be available already. What a, what a blessed future you live in. Uh, and as always, for more information about me, the show, interviews with thousands of editors, literary agents, authors, all the best people, head to middlegradeninja.com. That's enough intro. We have so much to talk about. Uh, my guest today is Isabella Strickland. Isabella, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am absolutely fantastic. I've been looking forward to chatting with you. Uh, I've been enjoying your book. I've been uh, enjoying uh, your your many contributions to the world. Your resume, I was telling you before we got started, your resume uh, makes me just a little bit apprehensive just looking at it. Like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I like trying things. Give uh, give esteemed audience. I don't I don't summarize other people's biographies because I make a mess of it. So if you would just kind of give esteemed audience an overview of your background. So um, I am fifteen years old, child right here. Um, I uh, do acting and I love writing and I love um, the entertainment business because it's it's a lot of fun, and you get to connect with a bunch of people. So uh, I first started out on this adventure trying a bunch of things like stage acting regular acting and i did find a passion in writing over my adhd and dyslexia i wasn't confident with that yet so over time i became more confident figuring out tools and ways to stay focused on things and put together my writing in a way that makes sense for people to actually read so um that took a while and now i'm here um, so lots to unpack because uh, you, uh, you you've done a little bit of everything. Uh, how how old were you when you got your first role, and what was it? Um, so I started, as I mentioned, stage acting, and three years ago I started doing film acting. And the first role I had was like real role. It was for a student film at Van Film. I don't know, but anyway, great, great team, great team, and uh, it was for a short film called Enlightenment, and that was one of the best film experiences I've had, and probably one of the best first ones. So um, that happened, and then I went into a short film camp, and I loved it. And I love writing scripts, and I love writing, and I realized that was a passion that I can unlock from then. So uh, I did the camp again, and I continued doing those things, and then I continued acting, and I realized that I could continue writing in a different way. And my dad and I had been working on a book for a while now. So it was released quite recently, and it was five years, so I had integrated all of what I learned through all of the things that I had tried over the years into writing it. And we were actually starting to get it round up. And uh, this was going to be a reality that we were actually going to have a book. Which huge congratulations that uh, by the time this airs, that will have just happened. Uh, and I know as I'm talking to you, you're getting ready for the launch next week, right? Oh, it was uh, last week. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. 
even better. Yeah, I have an in-person coffee now. Oh, I am wow. very happy. Yeah. Um. Uh. When I got it, it was weird because oh, my dad here. Thank you. But I am rereading it because there was many edits done, and I don't. Over, I'm seeing. <laughs> so, so I'm really happy. There, uh, here and where, and it's by you, Isabella Strickland, and your father, Michael Strickland. Is that right? Yes, that is exactly right. And it is on Amazon, and we're putting together a couple of reveals. So, uh, so please uh, give us kind of an overview. What do we need to know about then and there, uh, here and where? So, uh, she. The main character, the protagonist, is a 12-year-old girl named Orbella, and she has ADHD and dyslexia because it's the normalization of that. If it's more reoccurring, then people understand that it's normal for people to have, and that people shouldn't be called different for it, because it's not necessarily different. It's just everyone's different, so just getting used to it. Uh, so the 12 year old girl um, who was just getting into high school because in, uh, they're senior high and junior high. Um, so there's that and she's really anxious about that and then her parents disappear mysteriously and then she has to go live with her grandparents and there's this huge family secret about her past and what she has to become and now I can't really say anything else because that's going to spoil what it's about so <laughs> I would love to but I can't exactly say well now you've hit on the exact reason why I never summarize another person's book because I never know where that line is, is when have I said too much? When have I spoiled your story? So if I let you do it, then I'm assured that if we did spoil it, it wasn't me. <laughs> it's perfect. No, it's totally fine. And there's a cat named Lolo, and I needed to integrate cats into this because cats are my favorite. Well, I saw that uh, you had um, um, dedicated the book in part to a cat named Miko who pooed like a bird. Is that right? Yeah, he, uh, he passed away recently. Two weeks ago. Oh, really? Um, I'm he, sorry for your loss. Yeah. Oh, it's it's okay. He was the best, and he uh, inspired the cat, and so did my sister because she is a very big cat person. So I wanted to put something or a memory of him in the book. So I have this for my future, and I can remember him always. That's good. And then um, I went. Uh... When did it occur to you that you wanted to write this book? Uh, how long have you been thinking of the story? The story, into I know I wanted to write a story a very long time ago because I loved storytelling and my parents would read books to me before I would go to sleep. And, and it was probably my favorite part of the day, just about to go to sleep. And I would keep asking them to continue reading because I wanted to know what happened. Um, so that probably inspired what I wanted to do for later in life because it was something that I did want to try. I wanted to write a book and that was, if I look in the broad spectrum of it, this is like normal everyday stuff. It was all the way up here. 
I didn't think it could be possible. And yet it is. I have it. Ah, ha, ha, ha. It's still a shock to me. And I'm so happy. So um, maybe when I was eight or nine, I told my dad that I wanted to do something with him. And I wanted it to take a really long time. And I wanted there to be a big outcome. So well, we started brainstorming ideas. And then we realized we wanted a book. And uh, through years and years of process of what it's actually going to be, and we started writing five years ago, as I mentioned, and then through development of that, going through people, it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of that. So it took about till last year to finally figure out the whole thing, because cutting out a bunch of stuff was a big part of it, because this book would have been very, very big if we didn't do that. So I'm upset about that in that aspect. However, over time and in the long run, it's going to be better. So do you remember how long the, the longest draft of it was before you cut it down? Um, oh, like 500 pages. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it was so long and we needed to cut it out how many it is like it now yeah it was like two books it was absolutely insane how long how many pages is this ah 254 well we cut down a lot wow because there was many parts of it that i uh had personal connection to because the character is kind of like me. It's taking an example of me, but also the stuff around me too, like the people I interact with daily, and I take personality things from them, traits. So, um, cutting out was probably the hardest part of this, to be honest. So, how did you? I mean, that's that's a huge cut. I know that writers who are listening are are, are hurting for you. Like, oh my gosh, that's like half your story. <laughs> How how did you determine what needed to, to cut and what you could live with? Or did you save some of it for maybe a later book? Yes, definitely. It was like two books in one equivalently. So we cut out and added that to the next book, which is in process. So um, there's that. And it's not technically gone, most of it. Uh, but it's not in this one. It's not in the first one, which is like the ground layer which is which is totally okay because it's going to eventually be told later but there was a lot of parts like i said i did have personal connection with but weren't exactly valid to the storyline or weren't going to make a big difference if it wasn't there what's something you can think of that fits that criteria that you kind of missed but understand had to go so there was um one part of it oh, i can't remember um with her bully and um it kind it happened to me with the person that bullied me um so that had personal connection to me but in the long run um we came out with a bunch of brainstorming ideas from how she would first meet her where she was in the book to um, what could actually be reality and what would actually make sense mostly later. So what we came up with was just an idea that didn't technically happen, but 
was the most fitting, like a puzzle piece. We just drew a puzzle piece and it perfectly fit in with what was happening. So, um, well, lots of questions for you. Was uh, Aura, Zora Bella is the, was the character, right? I want to make sure I'm saying it right. She Was she always 12, even when you were 10? And then now while you're 15, then it's actually being published and you're doing the revision? Or did, did she age up with you? Or was it was it always going to be 12 years old? It was always going to be 12. Um, We're thinking of a movie, but she might be a little bit older for that because it can connect to a bigger audience then. If only you knew some talented, multi-award winning actress familiar with the role. Oh my <laughs> God. Wow. Scary. I, I wonder who. <laughs> where, uh, I mean, where, where are you in terms of developing, developing the story as a film? Very close. I can't exactly say anything. There, there is another version in script form. And, oh, I won an award for it. My dad and I won an award um, for best script in fantasy and um, sci-fi and then the whole thing itself. So it's in production somewhat, and I'm happy because now there's another version of it. It's not just a book. It's actual film. Give happy. A huge congrats to both you and, and your dad. So how does this uh, collaboration work? Do you start working on the story, just you, and then your dad looks on what you're doing and saying, hey, I'd really like to be a part of that, or had you always planned from the start we're going to do this together, and then how you do you decide who's going to do what? It was always teamwork. Um, uh, it, my dad researched a lot of it because I had school. That's a big part of my life. So... It would be hard to focus on short periods of time for writing, so my dad would scribe for me because I would get a scribe in school sometimes when it became overwhelming to write because everything would kind of jumble. So um, there's that. He was a very big help for it, and it was always a team effort for this whole thing. And then, um, I mean, as you're writing, you're writing about a character that's a little bit like you, and then I assume that uh, being your father, he wants to maybe shape the character a little bit more toward, hey, let's make her uh, the daughter that we eventually want you to become. And then you have to pull it back a little bit and say, no, we're going to make her true to herself. Is that part of the dynamic? Or you guys see an eye to eye? It's, it's never an issue. I don't even know why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> we usually see eye to eye on it because it is based off of both of our lives and uh, the characters in there, we take after people that we have met. And like I said, it is a team effort completely because we both have different personalities um, and different writing styles. So I incorporate what I say into what he writes, which makes sense, kind of, I don't know. Uh, and then um, are you, you're, you're planning possibly a sequel or a series? Have oh, there is definitely a series. A hundred percent, because there is a cliffhanger in it. I would be really mean to not finish it. Just saying. So do you have a plan? Do you know how many books overall that you're going to start with and then maybe expand out? Or 
There will definitely be three. Definitely be three. That we can expand out on different characters because there's a lot of ground that we need to cover for this. So if there's any demand for a story on the father or like backstory more. Gotcha. So I mean you could be writing this until you're until you're 30 or, or beyond. <laughs> I could retire at 20. That would be funny. <laughs> I think if anybody's on pace to retire at age 20, you might be the person. That would be really funny. Uh, and then, um, what is Gen Z Publishing? Uh, well, Gen Z Publishing, uh, you know generations, right? Because I am Gen Z. And most of my generation from age 7 or 6 to age 22 i'm not exactly sure i haven't looked at it in a while uh, our generation z and people see them as the new generation the generation of change and technology because we are embraced with technology these days and then the next one is generation alpha and they will obviously be different but gen z publishing is embracing the generation z and what they can do gotcha and so are you planning, I mean, obviously right now the focus is going to be this series and, and the next two books, but will Gen Z Publishing, you think, uh, branch out and, and put out other books by other authors? What's what's the plan? Or is there oh, one? Oh, yeah, totally. They're very healthy. Gotcha. Uh, and then um, with lots of uh, questions just about everything. I feel like we, we skipped a, a few things. I'm, I'm kind of curious about this idea that you started this 10 years ago and you're thinking about maybe you want to write a book um, from the time your, your parents are reading to you. But I love this idea that you're, you're an award-winning filmmaker, an award-winning uh, actress, uh, an award-winning media host. You're the Variety BC Youth Ambassador. But you're thinking, you know what I need is I really need to, to, to be an author. Uh, where if I'm looking at your resume, I'm like, well, that's a nice thought, but you're, you're already there. <laughs> so what, uh, what was it about wanting to be an author that, that, that spoke to you? And the, yeah. So uh, telling stories, just in a different form, because acting is the bodily form of telling stories. Writing is the physical form of telling stories, because you're reading it. And um, audiobooks is the, what's? hearing I don't remember <laughs> form of telling stories so I want to incorporate telling what comes out of my head in my different ways like I love to draw drawing and painting are my favorite because it's physical and it's a way of telling a story or something an image in my head that people can visually see so writing it down for people to see like in poetry I, I do love poetry so I try to do that a lot uh, just to incorporate different ideas into what I'm doing so I thought writing when I was younger was something I wanted to try because when I was younger I didn't I tried a lot I tried a lot of sports I tried a lot of performance I did dance but I wanted to try something that I didn't think I could do because I thought right writing would take a really long time with my attention span and that it would take even longer with the editing because of my dyslexia, but anything you do, you can probably overcome, even if there's barricades in the way. Anything that 
you probably think you can do or you don't have hope of doing, you could probably do it like I did. And I didn't think I could. So, um, well, there's a, a few things I want to I'll follow up on that. Although I, I, I feel like we should probably talk just a little bit about um, you've got uh, anxiety, ADHD, and dyslexia. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And you, you, you're, 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 you're a big speaker about that. You said that you've got two. They've given you two superpowers because you can memorize and uh, <laughs> memorize things, and you have a higher level of sensitivity toward others. Is that right? Yeah. Um. There are ups and downs to having these things, as there are for everything. So, um, having ADHD uh, isn't exactly always the fact I can't focus on specific things. It's also having the awareness of other things and the awareness of other people's feelings and seeing things differently because not all people see everything the same way because they interpret things differently through life experiences and stuff. That is just another way of me interpreting something. So uh, the way I write too because of my dyslexia, I can overcome these things because um, they can easily be as they can easily be. I say that, but it can be really hard at points. Um, these things can be overcome, uh, even if it is hard, even if it, it gives you good things. Like uh, my ability to memorize now is way better because I have dyslexia and it makes me more aware of what is happening and that I'm just generally good at memorizing things. What uh, what are you hoping that people will take away from your book about this? And what would you like people to know uh, about about people with anxiety, ADHD, ADHD and dyslexia? That we're not necessarily disabled. Thank you very much. We are just it's a learning difference. It's a different way of learning because people see it as a disability. And I a lot of everyone has anxiety about everything. So these things layer on each other because uh, ADHD comes with anxiety and a bunch of other ch challenges, but these things aren't to be looked down upon because, yeah, the, people need a little bit more help, but everyone needs help with everything. And I want, through the book, I wanted to add a little bit more spice and magic to life because life can get boring or upsetting at some point. So I want this to be a good thing and hope for people. Now that uh, the book is out in the world, um, I know that you've got a publicist who's working hard on your behalf. Uh, obviously, there's like everything uh, this past couple of years, uh, or however long it's been, time has no meaning anymore. Uh, but with the uh, with the pandemic, there there's been some uh, difficulty with in person promotion. What are you able to do to get out there and promote the book? And what are you finding is most effective for you? Well, there's these interviews because they are fun, and I like talking to people. Um, and social media is a very big one because everyone is on social media these days, whether if it's LinkedIn or TikTok or Instagram, it doesn't really matter. It's just getting the word out there for people to actually see and having the acknowledgement of that. So there's this, and then there's also people reading it and then giving their review on it. 
and giving it to friends and getting the word out there can be hard sometimes because you need to overcome people's ability to read because things can be hard these days because we're mostly taken up by technology and we never really get a break now so things can be hard with that but doing what i can in this moment is what i'm doing talking to you i'm not glad you are if uh, everything was open you'd be uh filling out uh, stadiums of people coming to hear you and then i wouldn't be able to speak directly one-on-one so this is working out really at my benefit <laughs> so that's good <laughs> Uh, and uh, you you are an influencer, and I'm never 100% sure what that means, but I know a, a whole large chunk of the world is paying attention to you on Instagram and through other sites. So what is an influencer, and how have you become one? Uh, well, I am, um, like you mentioned before, for Variety, I'm a spokesperson for that. Um, uh, I influence people through what I do because people look to certain people for influences because not not everyone is great at public speaking because of anxiety and confidence so i try those things and i can have a word for the people but i would say i'm more an influencer for my generation or for people who are looking to write or who are looking to act because i can help them out with that so what kind of responsibility does that have and, and what, how do you view your role as an influencer? Well, I need to keep up on all social media every day, answering people all the time on LinkedIn, on everything, just to connect with everyone so it doesn't die down over time because that can happen. So that is a very important part. And um, being an influencer is can be great, but it can also be overwhelming with the amount of emails I get and the amount of messages I get. But um, these things take time and a lot of time. It took three years to eventually be seen on Instagram. It took five years to write this book. And everything in the long run does take time but these things take time to grow so if you don't let it grow it's not going to be as big as you really want it to be when you've got a, a lot of stuff going on so what what does your typical uh day look like in terms of how much time you're putting on social media how much time you're putting into the next book uh well i do have a social media manager and um uh, daily, uh, we think of ideas for writing. Um, from another writer, they told me the best time to write is in the morning when your mind is empty. So I do take that into consideration a lot. Uh, even when I have school at 8.15 in the morning, that is what I do every day for five days a week. So I go to school in the morning. I usually do school during the day and in breaks, I try to look on my social media and make sure everything is running okay while my manager does the rest. And then I get home, I do my homework, I do what's necessary in order to continue what I need to do in school. I usually maybe do an audition. I uh, I will continue reading this because I am still seeing what version we have right now. Um, and um, I eventually go into the rest of my day, which is just eating and then sleeping and then start over again. So what do you do that's just for fun to unwind? <laughs> Ah, uh, I write 
because that's fun. <laughs> uh, I paint, I draw, I analyze TV shows because I find that fun because I like to make fun of people's choices for writing sometimes. <laughs> so um, there's that. And then I like to skateboard. I'm starting that. The way of getting around and it's something that I had a fear of and I didn't think that I could do and now I'm doing it. Um, I try and hang out with the people that make me happy too. Is that, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm detecting almost a little bit of a theme. Is that, is that the, the Bella Strickland method? Is it, if you notice you're afraid of something, charge right to it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I did bungee jumping and I didn't think I could ever do that. Man, that was scary. How long ago was uh, the bungee jumping? Maybe two years ago. It was for Mother's Day. <laughs> was, your, was your mother a seasoned uh, bungee jumper, or did she, was she also wanting to, to clear that fear? She just wanted to try it because um, we were at the tree thingy in Vancouver. I don't know. You have to, like, go through a bunch of courses in the trees. It's not the one uh, on Seymour. It's a different one. I don't. I don't know. It's down here, but it's fun. I like it. And we do it usually every year for Mother's Day. So um, we just wanted to try it because it was one of their other activities. So why not? And then after you had done it, did you feel relieved? Oh, okay, I can I take that off the list of things that I'm afraid of. Clearly not because it's done. Or was <laughs> it, oh, I've had that experience now. Let's never do it again. <laughs> I might do it again. I like it. It, it um, apart from the immense amount of anxiety you have before, uh, I like the feeling of relief that I had trust in myself to do it. I don't exactly have a bucket list of things to do. I just want to try these things. Like I do want to travel parts of the world and see what else everything has to offer because I've only really been in this part of the world and only a couple other places and I, I want to adventure more and I want to do things that I don't think I could do and I need to analyze that too. So when you uh, see your life that's you know going to go on uh, for two or three hundred years um, <laughs> maybe longer uh, how do you envision things do you want to do just a little bit of everything and, and never be any one thing or do you say I want to be the author who also happened to be this this and this or how, how do you proceed up well I do try a little bit of everything I've done tap dancing for example which was fun and I continued that for two years um, until everything started getting kind of crazy and I needed to focus on my future career so uh, I like trying a little bit of everything but if I truly do enjoy something that I would continue that because it's something that I find that makes me happy through a long period of time like writing or like acting or like painting I saw that you're a jean pocket painter and I saw some of your work on Instagram for for celebrities and, and the stars right <laughs> well yes and I am um, uh, I stopped that for a little bit. I am embroidering pants now because that is oh so fun, but hurts your fingers. Why 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 pants is a medium? Out of curiosity. Uh, because anything can be painted if you look at it right, like a door. <laughs> As I look at the door, I'm not painting the door. I swear. Um, maybe. So um, I I wanted to do something that I can incorporate in what I wear every day because what I wear every day is. An expression of what I am or who I am and I 
wearing what I like makes me feel good. So I wanted to incorporate my art into what I wear. And I decided for jeans because um, I have a lot of shirts and embroidery on shirts can be hard sometimes because things can tear. Um, but this is more easier. Plus painting on denim is kind of like painting on canvas. However, canvas doesn't move around, so you need to have more of a rubbery medium, like a fabric paint, because it's for fabric, obviously, it's in the name. Um, or having um, a fabric medium for it. And, uh, having You have to put the medium in the acrylic paint and then paint over it and then have a gloss over it. Do you, I mean, it sounds like you're, uh, whatever the term is for ambidextrous around the arts. Um, do you, I mean, do you have a talent for music? Do you sing? I know you tap uh -uh. dance for a while. I have played piano since I was five and I am in Royal Conservatory. What don't you do? <laughs> I, I don't play the violin. I really wanted to do that. Um, I do sing too. Um, I did that for a while. I was in a choir um i do swimming i did competitive swimming for a little bit uh, but i haven't done ice skating so when you when you come across these things and you think to yourself i haven't done that does that then go on a list somewhere that okay that's let's put that up next to do not exactly i, I just think of if i see something and i think oh i like that okay hey dad can i do it and he's like sure uh, so that's usually how it goes. Um, if I see someone else do it or I feel like I have a passion for it, then I do it. Like, I really wanted to start ballet again, but, um, you know, life took charge and now I didn't do that. So. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, uh, tell me a little bit about being the, the BC Youth Ambassador for Variety for listeners who aren't familiar with that. What is that and how did you become it? So. Uh, BC is uh, BC. Variety is a charity in BC for um, children with learning differences or learning challenges or physical differences and challenges. So it it they pay for um, speech therapy. They pay for my tuition for my school. They pay for wheelchairs or um, padded beds. Anything to help the child with their learning and their daily living. Um, and it's uh, incorporated in BC and it started when I went to my school for kids with learning challenges and learning differences and other differences. So um, then we needed tuition for that because my school is very expensive. So uh, we asked Variety and they gave us a Grant and then um, they realized that I was an influencer and then I did one of their variety shows and I loved it so I did it again and then I did it again and I'm still promoting them because they are a great cause and they're they're a great charity and they look out for a lot of people. So does that then get you at at what point do you become uh, one of the co-hosts for a, a, a country music show? I, I, you've, you've done a lot of uh, different uh, <laughs> hosting duties, but uh, but I saw you there next to Paul Green asking him about the the stubble. Was that ah. you, become, you get with Variety first and then build up to that, or you're there and then Variety says, "Hey, you're amazing. Come come to us." How does that work? Um, uh, that was last year. 
I think. Yeah, that was with Paul. Okay, yes. That was last year, and that was one of my things because people wanted to know about his stubble. And then um, uh, people read the variety reaches out to different people. Like Mike Michael Bublé was on their variety charity uh, eight hour. It was five hours this year thing this year. And uh, they reach out to many different artists, like the Heels. Um, I can't remember the other ones. Oh, and then uh, Robert Bateman uh, posters. That that was a continuous thing, and I love their mooses this year. They're very moosing. <laughs> uh, and then you was was it at that event that you started to talk to to, to Paul Green about being in your uh, upcoming movie that's in production? Paul is a family friend of ours. My dad massages him, and uh, we've been with him for a while. Um, we, my dad, stayed with him. He, he's a pretty close family friend. So in this situation for the short film, it was an "I help you, you help me" situation. Gotcha. So when will that short film be available so esteemed audience can enjoy it? I don't remember that, uh, but it's done. And it's going into film festivals. It's going in the film circuit. So it can't exactly be watched yet, but it's done. <laughs> well, I know your, was it your last film that, that, that won 10 different festivals and toured 60? Do I have those numbers right? Uh, that might be my red ball. That was the first one I've ever done. Like independently with a bunch of children my age. So do you go with the movie to the festivals, or the movie goes to the festivals, and then you read about it later? How's that work? Um, not often. Um, um, my I submit them into film festivals itself uh, because there's um, a film festival website. I could not do this alone without it. That would take way too long. Um, and I submit it into the film festival, and then after a couple of days, they get back to me about it if I'm in or not, and then over time, uh, they give me more information about what's happening and if I've won or not. And sometimes I get invited there, but as you can imagine with COVID now, that can kind of be impossible. But uh, going on panels is another thing um, that I get invited to. That's usually how it works. Gotcha. Uh, and then, so as soon as, the, as, soon as this COVID's in hand, you're going to be uh, back out there everywhere you can go, right? To make up for lost time? Yeah, maybe LA. I like LA. It's special there. Uh, and then, um, is there, I mean, you? I get the sense that you must wake up and just approach your day with passion, uh, just looking for something creative, some outlet to, to go to. Do I have that about right? Often. Some days it can be hard as everything is not great at the moment. COVID. Um, so waking up and having motivation now uh, can be hard, but uh, having a passion for what I love and incorporating that into my day is very important because then I find enjoyment in that. Like I, I doodle on my math sheets, which is something I shouldn't be doing. I should probably be doing the math, but I do that anyway because I'm enjoying it. Well, honestly, what's going to make those sheets worth more? Math or your your drawings? Come on, now. You're just trying to increase the value. If the teacher gives you that trouble, you tell her that Rob Kent, the podcaster, told you that, and that should clear mm -hmm. the situation up. My drawings <laughs> will give me the grades. 
I, I read your motto is lift as you rise. Do I have that right? Yes. What does that mean? Uh, lifting other people and rising at the same time because it's important to connect with people and have an understanding with them and make relationships and connections. So making other people rise or enlightening them or lifting them up can also lift yourself up at the same time. So in that spirit of, of lifting up all the listeners who are hearing this and like my my God, what am I doing with my time? I need to I need to get get it together and get that passion uh, so I can have that Isabella Strickland results. Um, how do you go about? Because you've got already at at fifteen now not only a a, a budding film career and now a budding uh, novel career, uh, but you've already got a, a, an agent. You've already got a publicist. When did you go out and and get those things? Well, I, I did have another agent a while back, uh, but then we switched it up because, you know, different interests and different looks. So um, now I have a new agent, which I'm very reliant on, and she is amazing. Shout out to my agent. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, the publicist, these are all just connections with people, and having connections is the most important thing in these businesses. That is all I can tell you, because getting connections with people is going to help you a lot in the long run. So talking to people and mostly LinkedIn. LinkedIn is very helpful with these things. I very much agree. I want to get those connections. So how, how can I get, how can I, how, what, what advice do you have for people that want to do likewise? What's the best way to connect with folks? Mostly just asking them because the worst they can say is no. Fair enough. Ah, and speaking of asking, because the worst you can say is no, have you ever seen a flying saucer and or a ghost? Because I have to ask everybody that question. Um, I have not seen a flying saucer. Um, sometimes I have not ever seen a ghost. However, I do like paranormal things and I love stories. And that is what got me into paranormal short films because I love urban legends. Um... Sometimes I can feel presences of things. I don't know if that's just me, but <laughs> it's because I'm empathic. And another thing with being very connected with people. But uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't believe in them, but I don't know. But I love the stories because they're amazing. Well, yeah, it seemed that you were um, going to be a script consultant for some horror films. Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, Michael Grace, which is very important because I just asked him, hey, can you help me? He's like, yeah, sure. So asking people, important. Um, and uh, consulting with the script was amazing because it was another idea of someone else's and being a part of that was great because um, it's incorporating other ideas into what I do and uh, taking example from that because it was a great experience and I'm happy for that. So what are some of your favorite stories? You mentioned you like to go through and, and break down TV shows. What are some of the TV shows you like to break down? Um, I have broken down The Office because I have watched it five times. Like the, all of them. I've watched all of them five times. Don't ask me why. I like to rewatch things. Um, I've broken down Riverdale for the only reason being it is slightly trash. Just kind of. <laughs> Shots just, fired. Watch out, Riverdale. Just a little bit. <laughs> the film shots are beautiful, though. Like, the color scheme, 
beautiful. Just some of the writing is weird for people my age. And then their casting, I wouldn't say is absolutely horrible, but you know, there's some flaws with everything. So that can't exactly go off on them about that. Um, I have assessed, um, what's it called? Mm, ah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, because it's a comedy. And Psych, okay, not uh, everyone has heard of Psych, but uh, I watched it with my mom a very long time ago, and then I rewatched it, and I enjoy most comedic writings and most drama and sci-fi because that is what I'm interested in. So um, I wouldn't say Psych is horrible. It's really, really funny, and I connect with the main character because I swear he has ADHD or something. He's kind of weird. <laughs> so um, I, I have a connection with that. And building connection with people or having them connect with what your story is is also very important. Um, not everyone can connect with Brooklyn Nine-Nine because they are not policemen, but people can connect with people in the working business. Uh, not everyone can connect with Riverdale because no one has perfect color schemes all the time. And yet we're all teenagers, so. Fair enough. First, I should, I should ask because I'm routinely talking to authors who are, you know, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond, writing about 12-year-olds uh, and you know, 15-year-olds. Uh, here you are. You wrote about it from age 10 to age 15. So, what's the difference when you're writing about a 12-year-old versus when you're reading somebody older who's read about a 12-year-old? What are they getting wrong, and what do you bring that they don't know? Or now, they think of it when they were 12. Not now, because if you're releasing a book now, it's probably going to be hit for the people in that time area. Because if you're thinking about when you were younger, like say a 30 year old, uh, you're not thinking about cell phones or as much Netflix or TikTok. So uh, thinking of vocabulary then and then getting embraced with that culture too. So like looking on TikTok, seeing what's really popular these days, looking up teen vocabulary, because that is very important. The vocabulary you use in your book um, can change the way people have perspective on it. So like using contractions nowadays is really important because instead of saying, I cannot, it's I can't, because that's what usual teens say. So I do see a little bit of a difference, but it's not drastic because people can usually put, a good writer can put, themselves in their characters minds so um that's what i usually see in good books for people who are writing who are older who are writing for younger people now i have experienced my time i can understand what my generation is feeling and understanding and most of the vocabulary however it does need to be shot at an older age group or younger age group depending on if you're interested in that stuff so how do you, I mean, you, you just go to school and say, hello, fellow teenagers, let me listen to your vocabulary and, and record it, uh, or <laughs> you're on Instagram, how, how are you doing your research? Well, I talk to people my age, obviously, and then uh, I usually see what people like or react well to. I'm not, I'm not assessing the people I am friends with, I swear, but... It's something I do take note on because it, it can affect how I write and it can affect how I talk to other people and it can affect who and what I say to them and the connection that I could possibly have. Because if I'm acting like a robot with people, people aren't going to necessarily want to be with me because that's kind of weird. Uh, 
fly. Um, over time... Well, I guess it depends on the type of robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's a funny robot, then people would probably want to be with them. So um, having a connection with that and putting your mind in your younger version's character or um, definitely looking up on Urban Dictionary. I say I use Urban Dictionary a lot because it's funny, for one, and for two, because it shows young people vocabulary or slang words in that sense. Um, slang is also a very big thing. So would you be comfortable going and then and finding slang for your book and for your characters to use, even though you and maybe people you know aren't actually using it, but you're aware because of the internet has confirmed for you that other people are saying it? Well, um, it would also depend on the character. So if it's someone who is more popular in school, or I wouldn't say basic because now that's a mean term, but <laughs> more regular, um, I'd hit for that category because it can connect with more people and people can feel more heartfelt. I wouldn't say Aurabella is someone to use like that swag, bro. I know no one says that, but I don't think she would say that uh, in that term. But she can connect to people my age because of what she says, how she says it, and who she connects with. And you mentioned audiobooks. Are, are you planning to record this audiobook, or have you got somebody who's thinking of recording it? I would love to, to be honest, because Audible is a beautiful app, and I would love to be a part of that. Just saying. I mean, who better? You're you're the you're an actress. You've you obviously know the character. You know what she's feeling. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you can interpret that through what people say and the tone of your voice too. As far as your your performance. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I don't think I would read it because I'm not great at reading. I, that's not to be mean to myself. I'm just saying. I don't think people would want to hear me read the book. I would prefer someone who is more fluent in what they say, because it can be probably more enjoyable. Thank you. That's interesting, because when we were talking about the possibility of a movie, uh, and you were not entirely opposed to the idea of maybe starring in the movie, or at least playing a, a character in the film, um, if not the lead, maybe you're there in the background, like, do it, Orabella. <laughs> Let's go. Well, how would that be? How would that be more comfortable than uh, reading the the book that you wrote as an audiobook? Because um, memorizing lines is way different than rereading something new and fresh. I can read this four or five times, and sure, I'll be familiar with the words. However, it can still be hard to be fluent with these things. Uh, but if I have a line, like I, I can remember a line from. Maybe two years ago, it was a municipal government should know better not to rely on its unencrypted radio frequencies that can easily be interrupted and jammed. So that was just something that I needed to memorize over time. And uh, it's easier to memorize things um, through time and how the script goes compared to rereading it over and over again. Because this is a lot of words. That that I just said, in retrospect to what I just showed you, isn't that big anymore. So if they needed somebody to record just that part of the audiobook down. Yes, I was <laughs> just done. For the rest. There we go. The, uh, the five sentences I said, that's about it. 
Fair enough. And for the immediate future, it sounds like, but uh, I'm, I'm going to have to have you back every year just to keep up with all the things that you're you're doing. But for the immediate future, what's what's next for you? Ah, well, the film that incorporating that because that is happening, um, and then a film that I am writing with my father and Michael Gray. So that, that is something that is happening. And um, also continuing on my passions, I would like to start animating and I do have, have um, stuff for that now. So I'm practicing because like I said, I do like drawing, but digital drawing is way different than pencil and paper drawing. And I just need to practice that. And then you think that we'll be able to view your efforts uh, online someplace? When yeah. Probably. Um, most of my films need to go through the film circuit before being public. So my red ball is um, going to be public soon. Um, and uh, as you can tell, this is public because it's a book. <laughs> and um, my acting will be public after whenever they release whatever i don't really know the timeline for these things anymore my uh last question is is almost always some variation i'm watching our time and i see it's almost at the end of where i promised i, I promised we'd be done and i i try to always uh, keep my promise so thank you for being such a, an incredible guest and, and, and it's been very enjoyable uh speaking with you but my my last uh, question for now because you're going to go on, you're going to write 50 more books. So we're going to do this again. But for now, my last question is always some variation. Of if you could go back to 10-year-old you or somewhere in between, wherever would be most useful to go back and give yourself some information that would have made your path easier, it might make easier the path of everyone who's listening or watching, what would you go back and tell yourself? Probably when I was 12, because I didn't have, I had hope for that. Uh, my God, I had such good visions. I'm like, this is so exciting. I don't think this could ever happen. But over time, the excitement slowly wears off because five years is a long time to be excited for. So um, uh, I would tell myself to continue to be excited for what's to come and that I shouldn't lose hope in what um, I have to do and to stay focused on the book specifically and also to look for other things that I'm interested in. Where uh, can esteemed audience find you online, find out more information, follow you, all that good stuff? Uh, on my website, it has all of the links to literally everything that is there. And it's Isabella Strickland. Oh, it's Isabella Karina. Sorry. Uh, how would uh, how would we spell that one? And I'll link to it in the show notes, esteemed audience. It's E-S-A-B-E-L-L-A-K-A-R-E-A-N-A dot com. And from there, they can uh, flow on to your amazing Instagram page. They'll be able to follow you when when that uh, my my red ball becomes available. There'll be a link. I'm sure we can all uh, immediately go and enjoy it and crash the site. <laughs> It'll be a good time. Well, Isabella, thanks uh, again for making the time and uh, for being an absolutely fascinating guest. I've greatly enjoyed speaking with you. Uh, esteemed audience, uh, as always, head to middlegradeninja.com for thousands of interviews with editors, literary agents, authors, publishing professionals, all the best people. Middlegradeninja.com, 
download your free copy of Vanica Bones and the Giant Robot Beans. Check to see if Vanica Bones and the Cyborg Conspiracy is available yet. If it's not, just wait longer. Either way, I'm God willing that I'm alive. I'll see you next week. Thank you.